Explode your to-be-read pile with The New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing! Welcome to SFF Yeah, a podcast dedicated to all things science fiction and fantasy. This is episode 151, and we are recording on April 14th. I'm Jen Northington, here with Sharifa Williams, and today we are talking about more newish books that we love. There's so many, always and forever. <laughs> there are! I'm so, I caught up on some things these past couple of weeks and I'm glad we have these episodes because I don't feel like I have to move right along to you know stuff that was on my TBR last year like I don't have to ignore that stuff right so it's right. nice yes it's a second chance yeah <laughs> uh before we get into our news Sharifa do you want to tell people about our newest newsletter yeah, we have a newsletter on Substack called The Deep Dive. So if you're looking for fascinating stories, some informed takes, uh, if you want some useful advice for your reading life, and a lot more from our in-house experts in the world of books and reading, you can subscribe to our newsletter, The Deep Dive. And this is where you can get exclusive content delivered to your inbox and there are a couple of tiers where, and you can subscribe to choose your membership level at bookriot.substack.com. So if you want to get what we are calling the deep dive, which is our long form newsletter where we give you really deep looks as, as the title says, it's really, <laughs> really it's really a deep dive into you, subjects. You just did a whole deep dive into reading trackers, for example. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, I did. And I like polled people and you helped me out by filling out my survey, which I sent <laughs> I out to all our survey. staff. Yeah. So our contributors chimed in, our staff chimed in. I asked some people on Instagram who are, you know, a lot of them are bookstagrammers. And I just got the deets on how people use reading trackers, why they use them, what has really worked for them as somebody who does not do very well and is not <laughs> consistent with reading tracking. So that's the the most recent, as I speak, deep dive newsletter up now. And there are so many more. There are some great ones from uh, Jeff, who is, you know, our CEO here. And that one's about Colleen Hoover taking over. We just have a lot of really great stuff over there. Um, so you can subscribe and choose your membership level. So for $5 a month, you get the deep dive edition. And if you still need some time to decide or you want to check out some bookish goodies, you can subscribe to our free tier, which is the splash pad, which you get once a month and it rounds up some bookish lifestyle goods. So again, you can find that at bookriot.substack.com. All right, let us take a moment for a sponsor and then we will get into our news. Explode your to-be-read pile with the New Release Index, your new best friend for finding the best new books. 
Curated by the book nerds here at Book Riot, it will help you keep track of the upcoming books we think should be on your radar. You can filter by genre, what's trending among other subscribers, and save books to your own watch list. And you can check out the demo at bookriot.com slash new releases. That's bookriot.com slash new releases. Happy browsing. All right. Well, I'm kicking us off with some news. Uh, did you have? Did you want to talk about some of the stuff you learned? From... Oh, my follow-ups. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure, let's do follow-ups <laughs> real quick. Uh, so, listener Kirby wrote in because I did a recent backlist episode about odd jobs in SFF, and one of them was the job of reality controller in Chosen Spirits by Samit Basu. And I was not sure how exactly it was available. And Kirby wrote in to tell me that Tor has actually reissued it as The City Inside. So Chosen Spirits and The City Inside are the same book by the same person. (laughs) And you should read it in whatever form you acquire it. Um, And then also, I happened to notice, I talked a little, a couple episodes ago, we, we looked at the trailer for Dungeons and Dragons, which is now out in the world and like people are loving it um i haven't seen it yet Mm -hmm. but um vulture did the thing that i was like oh i wish somebody would do like a history of the dungeons and dragons movies and tv things and they kind of did that so i'm gonna leave a link to that in the show notes somebody did it (laughs) that's awesome and i uh for the record did watch the dungeons and dragons (gasps) movie i really enjoyed it It was, like, exactly what we thought it would be, which was just, like, a really fun, funny, uh, blessedly short movie. (laughs) (laughs) Why are all movies three hours long? Side note. I don't know, but it is the bane of my existence. I get get so wildly happy when I see that a movie is, like, an hour and a half. It's, like... (laughs) Under two hours, y'all. It's a sweet spot. Yeah. I just, I can't. So this was really entertaining and I really liked it. So I'm glad that they also did this thing. I have to take a look at the D&D stuff because I feel like I I don't know a lot about D&D in general, but that movie definitely made me a little bit more intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I'm going to kick us off by talking about some Star Wars news because there's so much Star Wars news yeah. that's come out courtesy of uh, Star Wars Celebration, which is a fan convention. And the first piece, um, thank you for finding this actually, mm. Jen, uh, because I saw this mention that Daisy Ridley is coming back to the Star Wars franchise. This is reported on by Variety and Zach Scharf. And so Daisy Ridley is coming back to the franchise and it's via a new Star Wars movie, which happens 15 years after Rise of Skywalker. So, of course, Daisy Ridley is Rey in the Star Wars franchise. And so we get to see her again. And there's so much good stuff involved with this new movie that's coming out um and one of the big pieces of news from this which i was super excited about is learning that the director of the movie is charmino bed who directed 
who was a director on Ms. Marvel, which mm. I know both of us really yes, loved. Yes, yes. The direction on that movie, every I mean that movie, the series Ms. Marvel, everything about that series was so good. And I cannot wait to see how the direction goes on this movie because it feels like really different. I mean, I only yeah. know Obeid Shinoi's work from Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. but I know she's done a lot in film and TV and particularly to amplify the voices of women and women's issues. So I'm super excited to see what she does with this movie. And it's from a script by Stephen Knight who did Peaky Blinders. Um, I assume wrote for Peaky Blinders, which is right. super like this interesting yeah, combo. It is. Don't, don't know what to expect, but but I am intrigued and compelled. Um, so <laughs> I know a lot of people were excited to find out that Ray was coming back. And in this piece, you know, a lot of people shout out their enthusiasm um, including John Favreau, who writes for a lot of the Star Wars uh, franchise shows and things like that. Um, and I know a lot of the fans out there were probably super excited to hear about it as well at this convention. Um, and you also dropped a link to a bunch of news mm-hmm. from Star Wars Celebration. And I think that the one thing that really stood out To me, this one was from Gizmodo, and if I can actually get back to my tab, I can see who it was by. Uh, While I do that, I'll tell you that the thing that I was really excited about was finding out that there was going to be an Ahsoka Mm -hmm. um, series, and it's a mini-series, so I believe it's just going to be one season, but... I'm really excited because Ahsoka was one of my favorite characters when I paid more (laughs) attention to Star Wars. (laughs) Um, So I was really excited to hear that. And the trailer also looks really cool for that one, uh, which stars, I believe, Rosario Dawson. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, yeah. The piece from Gizmodo was reported on by Rob Ricken before I forget. But yeah, you can find a whole host of news about Uh, what was announced at the Star Wars celebration this year and get excited as, as you wish. So (laughs) was there anything in here that spoke to you a lot? Uh, No, I mean, everything that you said, um, I was kind of cracking up that like Star Wars and also Indiana Jones, like Indiana Jones is part of the Star Wars (laughs) celebration. I'm like, Please tell me we're not having a crossover there because I don't know if I can handle. I mean, I guess Harrison Ford is like obviously the common denominator here, but like, it's odd, odd choice, it. odd choice. I, <laughs> I was hoping you would come over nope. here and like I clarify know. something. Got no clue what that's about, but uh, aside from Harrison Ford, obviously, but um, 
I guess they figure it's like a lot of the same. I I think I've told this story on this show before, but I just can never not, especially when something like this comes up, I can never not think of for Star Wars Day back when I was at the bookstore in New York, we did like an event for kids. And we had like a guy who works on the Star Wars books come in to talk to them. And they all came in costume and we had a parade and it was so cute. Um, And during the Q&A with this author, you know, who's talking to these kids who range from like two to 14, you know, uh, he's like, okay, anybody got any questions? And this, I want to say he's like five or six. He, this little boy (laughs) raised his hand and he was like, did you know that Han Solo (laughs) And Indiana Jones are the same person. And it was like, like mind blow, like needed to share this like mind blowing oh information with everyone. It was so, <laughs> such a great moment. I was like, thank you children for being excellent. Um, So now it's, now it's all I can think about when I see is like Star Wars and Indiana Jones. I'm like, did you know? <laughs> anyway. That's my commentary that on that. Delightful. <laughs> it was very cute. Oh, it's good times. Oh, um, I know. What's when you don't really when you're just starting to understand the concept of like actors and acting? It's it is uh, it's a bit mind blowing. It is mind blowing. Yeah, mind blowing. Um, all right. Let's see. Where do I want to go next? I wanna. I wanted to make sure we took a moment. Um, for some sad news, which is that Rachel Pollock, uh, who was a trans activist, a comic book writer, very involved in science fiction and fantasy, uh, created the very first mainstream transgender superhero, um, has died. Uh, this is reported on in The Guardian. Um, this happened earlier in April. And Rachel Pollock is a name that I knew sort of by association, like her name would pop up periodically in my orbit but I never actually I don't know that I've like that I've knowingly read her um and there were a lot of things that I didn't know about her excuse me until I was reading uh the Guardian's profile of her and she was an amazing woman and an amazing force for LGBTQIA representation in comics and sci-fi um and sounds like you know did a lot for the genre in all kinds of ways and contributed so much to the genre. So I, you know, I'm always sad when it's an obituary that makes me seek out an author, but also it's a nice way to honor a person who clearly was uh, very important to a lot of folks and to science fiction and fantasy. So that's, if you too are new to Rachel Pollock, this is your reminder to check her out. And if you are a fan, then yeah, we're, we're taking a moment for her here. And two things mm-hmm. I learned and loved about Pollock. So one, I really now want to go find out all of what she wrote and or said mm-hmm. about tarot because yes. apparently she was like really a big voice in the world of tarot and the occult, which is like... I'm terrible. I don't know a lot about tarot. I feel like I should because I'm so into the occult, Mm. but it's one thing that I've always just felt overwhelmed by. Mm -hmm. But now I'm like, I had no idea because I also didn't know about Pollock until reading this. I feel like I missed out on learning some things about tarot. And also a quote from this 
this piece that was a quote from her and Neil Gaiman, who was a friend of hers, uh, mentioned this quote. I just had to read because it's so good. So uh, Pollock, who's Jewish, uh, was taking from uh, Orthodox prayer and sort of revised it after transitioning and said, blessed to you, God, for not making me a woman, but thrice blessed to the doctor who did. I just love that quote. <laughs> I just think it's so, yeah. it's so good. It really stood out to me. So, yeah, this was great um, to learn about Pollock, unfortunately, you know, like after, mm-hmm. after death. But really cool person. Yeah. Okay, well... I'm going to take us into horror land. <laughs> As <laughs> is your want. <laughs> of course, of course. This isn't the end of that for me either today. Uh, <laughs> but I learned about this movie that sounds really fascinating. Like this morning, it's called The Angry Black Girl and Her Monster. So this is reported on by the AV Club and Savannah Olson. Uh, And this is a take on Mary Shelley's Frankenstein's. It's a science fiction horror take. And it's about a young woman, a young black girl who is really science-y. She really has a talent for scientific invention. And she experiences, she, she has the tragedy of her brother dying by gun violence um, in her neighborhood and it really affects her in a deep way and she does the the dr frankenstein thing she uh she does the whole science experiment and she creates you know this thing that everybody sees as a monster and of course as with a lot of science fiction, as with Frankenstein itself, there are deeper meanings and, you know, deeper um, thoughts and critiques in this movie, especially one that's about a Black neighborhood, a Black community, um, gun violence, and how people see what they think of as monsters and how that affects the person or creature deemed a monster, which is like one of my favorite explorations Mm -hmm. in genre fiction in general. So I love the sound of this and I watched the trailer and it is really intense. Yes. And there is obviously some body horror and some creepy stuff happening here. So I'm really excited to learn more about it and, to watch this because it's going to be released in theaters June 9th, but it's also going to be streaming on demand June 9th. So it's one of those movies where you can either see it in the theater or streaming. Um, So I'm definitely going to check it out because I cannot resist uh, retelling, especially when it's horror and uh, has some really interesting concepts and centers the black community so really excited to learn about it 
Yeah, it looks amazing and also too scary for me. I watched the trailer was like hard enough for me to get there. I was like, oh, I'm going to have nightmares about this. Um, but it definitely looks it looks really well done. And like like you said, it tackles some really important issues. And I do love this trope. I'm just afraid of cats. So. It looks legitimately scary. It so looks legitimately know. terrifying, y'all. Like legit. Like watch the trailer. It's like... Yeah. So, but that does look awesome, and I'm excited for those who love horror to get that in yeah. their in their <laughs> nightmares. Um, have fun. <laughs> ah. All right, so there's a bunch. It's like awards season is happening. You know, we talked recently about how uh, Hugo nominations are open right now um, through the end of April, and also awards are starting to be awarded. Uh, so we've got a bunch to touch on. I'm going to start actually with another. Uh, prize that's accepting nominations from anyone. You don't have to pay. Uh, the Ursula K. Le Guin Prize for Fiction uh, is a yearly prize that is like, you know, full disclosure, um, administered. One of my friends actually helps uh, run the foundation that um, oh, administers cool. this, which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's like a cool job, y'all. Like the Ursula <laughs> Foundation. Like that's Seriously. Pretty, pretty freaking cool. Um, and anyone can nominate a novel for this prize. I'm including a link and it's a $25,000 cash prize, which is a lot of cash for an, a writer to get um, for an award. And it goes, uh, the nomination form tells you, you know, the eligibility, um, but it's, you know, there's publication timelines and um, also the focus of the book. Uh, and it's all sort of organized around Le Guin's legacy. Um, and this year's selection panel is a really good one. Uh, William yeah. Alexander, Alexander Chi, Karen Joy Fowler, Tochi Onyabuchi, and Shruti Swami, which is like, that's a pretty cool lineup of selecting judges. So <laughs> seriously, that is like, that stood out. I was like, wait, what are all these names I know yes. at the bottom of the list? That's yeah. great. So definitely go nominate a book that you loved that fits the criteria for a prize because that's pretty cool. Um, and then in terms of awarded prizes, we have uh, Locus does such great coverage of this. Um, and they've got the winner of the 2023 Philip K. Dick Award, which is The Extractionist by Kimberly Unger, which I have never heard of. So nope. I am going to have to look <laughs> that one up. Um, and The Legacy of Molly Southborn by Tade Thompson, who we talk about all the time, uh, got a special citation. So that's pretty cool. And this is always um, uh, presented to a work of science fiction published originally in paperback, which is nice. Um, because you know paperbacks need love too yes and then the british science fiction association award has also been announced which went to adrian tchaikovsky for city of last chances um for novel and then short fiction went to of charms ghosts and grievances by Elliot de bedard who's an author i love 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 mm -hmm. um there were also prizes awarded for best artwork best book for young readers and best nonfiction. and you should check out the full list of winners and nominees because that's a good one too Two things again. Mm, yes. <laughs> For the Philip K. Dick Award, I was, like in my last Backlist episode, I was talking about the Molly Southborn mm. book, so I feel like 
some sort of oracle right now. (laughs) (laughs) And two, I had no idea that Siran J. Chow wrote a book for young readers, Zachary Ying and the Dragon Emperor. I had no idea. Yes. Good. So I have to check that out. I actually have some questions for them about best book for young readers because Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson is not for young readers. (gasps) Oh, really? (laughs) Well, I mean, it has the teenage protagonist, but it is a very adult book. Like, I would give that to older teens, but I would be very Ah. careful. And I did not think it was published as YA. I was pretty sure it was for, but I could be wrong. Um, And maybe they do it differently in Britain, but like, like, (laughs) dang, like that is an interesting choice. What? (laughs) Uh, So, you know, I have questions, (laughs) but... I have to go look this up now. <laughs> I just I just don't feel like that is I mean, I if you're gonna say that any book that has teenage protagonists is for young readers, then I guess, but like I would consider that book like full on grown adult fantasy, personally. I feel like this is a tangent, but I feel like that happens a lot. It well, does. not a lot maybe, but yeah. it happens frequently enough with like fantasy specifically mm-hmm. featuring teen main characters yeah it's a weird thing i don't i i think that it's a we've like there are posts about it on site like it's a thing that people do now i'm like now i'm falling down this rabbit hole of like okay what is the (laughs) publisher said about like who this book is for like is this but then if for it to get nominated for an award somebody had to submit it right it's not listed as ya in the publisher details that i can access so i don't know y'all but anyway i did not i also did not know that zhao had written what a book that sounds amazing and might actually be for young readers so (laughs) a little side eye is all just a little bit (laughs) all right congratulations everybody yes yes whatever category your book that's right that's right Okay. Well, I guess we'll go on to, yeah, another sponsor and come back. All right. So I am first. And both of my books that I have to talk about today were published in 2022. So as Sharifa was saying, these were from my TBR from last year. I just did not quite get to them until now, which is totally normal and fine. Um, And now we get to talk about them. So it's all very exciting. (laughs) I know I talk about this series all the time and it's going to keep happening. I am obsessed with the Singing Hills Cycle by Nevo. The most, the third book, um, which like I said, came out last year, Into the Riverlands, is just as perfect and good as the other two that I have read. I... Love wandering cleric Chi, whose job is to go around finding stories. Um, They've got a talking bird companion named Almost Brilliant. And the beautiful thing about this series is that it is not sequential. You can pick up any one of these at any moment. And they introduce you to, like I said, cleric Chi. Um, And then they tell you a story about some people that 
she is interacting with. And all of these people have their own stories. And I love like, it's like, you know, a nesting doll of stories. Like there's layers upon layers upon layers of stories inside of these. Um, so it's just so fun. They're so interesting. The characters are so great. Um, they're novellas. And so they're short and beautiful and like, just kind of perfect for picking up when you don't, when you're in a reading slump or you don't know what else to do and you just want to be swept away by a story. Like, oh, they're so good. I love these so much. Um, and this one has a lot of elements that I'm just like a huge fan of. Uh, they are, when she is on the road, they end up like in a, you know, little tea house side of the road way station um, where a fight breaks out and they meet two young women who are like martial artists uh, and an cool. older couple who end up being much more than they seem. And there are like ghosts and, you know, attackers in the woods and all kinds of different uh, perils happening. And I love how Vo manages to balance like that action and adventure and like sometimes like creepy or like dark vibes with just the most heartwarming sweet lovely characters they're all like my beautiful cinnamon roll babies like I love them all Aww. so much um so I you know I could like gush on for 20 more minutes uh, about this series and this one in particular which is just like I said so much fun especially if you're a fan of like wuxia or you know martial arts movies um and stories it is really delightful has great action sequences uh, so that is Into the Riverlands, The Singing Hill Cycle, number three by Nevo. The fourth one is coming this year. So just saying. Yeah, I just got the uh, email about the arc. Yes. For Mammoths at the Gate. Yes. It sounds amazing mm -hmm. as usual. I can't wait to read it. But I have to catch up. So yeah. I'm not good. Well, at you don't actually, though. That's the beautiful thing. You don't have to catch I up. I know. I'm a stickler. I'm a stickler. It's a problem. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm excited. There's so much more to read. I'm glad. Yes. Uh, well, the first book I want to talk about is actually, it was published this year, but I was reading it as we were talking about our favorite books of the first quarter. So it was like a little too late, but also I can't cram every book I enjoyed into those episodes. <laughs> so I'm glad I get to talk about it now. Uh, it's The Spite House by Johnny Compton. I've had this on my shelf uh, for a minute. I had the galley and... Of course, I wanted to read it because it is a haunted house story. And that is like my wheelhouse. And yeah, this one was published in February. And it follows the Ross family. So there's Eric and his two daughters, Des, she's 18. And then there's Stacy, who's seven years old. And they're on the run. Um, they're driving from, I think it was Maryland, Baltimore, perhaps, toward Texas. And you don't know right away what they're running from, but it sounds real bad. Um, Eric is making ends meet by taking odd jobs from employers who will not ask questions about where he's from uh, and who won't like go investigating his identity or anything like that and who will also pay him in cash. So obviously like something's up there and they're all staying under the radar as they travel uh, to Texas. Then... Eric 
seize this opportunity to earn a bunch of cash, which they really need to make a new life uh, together as a family. So he sees this ad for someone to take on certain responsibilities at this place called the Masson House. And right away, like they learn uh, Eric and his older daughter, uh, Des, they learn that the Masson House has a really troubled history. It was basically built to be malevolent. I had never heard of the concept of a spite house, but it is apparently a thing. Huh. When somebody builds a house oh, yes. literally to spite a person or a region. <laughs> so this is a literal spite house. Um, and Eric's employer does end up sharing some of the house se- house's secrets. But by taking this opportunity, he really feels like he can't refuse. Eric and his whole family start to learn firsthand the complete history of the house and all of the terrible forces gathering within, because not everything has been divulged, of course. Uh, this is just a really entertaining read. I got everything I wanted from a haunted house story. There are ghosts, there are these grisly acts of revenge, there's mystery and creepy children, as always, uh, and a whole bunch of really interesting characters. And this haunted house story features a black family and secondary characters. It really centers uh, black characters. My favorite character is Stacy, Eric's younger, youngest daughter, the seven-year-old. Uh, she's really creative and she has some extraordinary talents that are kind of a mystery at the beginning of the book. And the parts of the story told from her perspective are some of my favorite parts because she's just really clever and observant and she sees things that other people do not. But honestly, all of the characters were really good. This is a story where you definitely have people to root for, but also everybody seems a little sus, like nobody is really telling anybody what's up with them and what secrets they're harboring because they all have secrets. Um, So it really kind of intensifies this dangerous and fraught situation and creates some really uh, unpredictable surprises. So I just really love this. It was uh, almost a comfort horror read for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But while I say that, I should mention that this does have content warnings for child death. There's also racism. I will say I didn't have to brace myself for this book the way I would for other books that Mm. really get into racism. This is one that touches on, you know, the history of the Civil War and um, racism is kind of mentioned. These are, this is a Black family on the run in the South. So there are pieces of that that uh, have some mention of racism, but it doesn't like, it's not a heavy book, I guess is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I would recommend this for anyone who enjoyed The Good House by Tanana Reefdu. That was a really big favorite of mine. And I've been looking for something that gives me the same feelings The Good House did. And this book did that. So that was The Spite House, again, by Johnny Compton. Nice. Well, speaking of be people being sus, uh, <laughs> I have a 
murder mystery in space for y'all. That is so much fun. It's Station Eternity by Mer Lafferty, who wrote Six Wakes, which I think both of us have probably talked about on this show yeah. before. I will tell you, I liked Six Wakes. I love Station Eternity, y'all. Oh. This book, I was not ready for how much I was going to be obsessed with this book and these characters. It is, thankfully, the first in a series that, wait for it, is called The Midsolar Murders instead of right Midsummer Murders. Got it. Uh-huh. Got it. Clever. I love it. I love it. Um <laughs> and our like amateur detective Mallory Viridian, which is side note a great name. Um has lived a very difficult life because everywhere she goes people die. And she's not killed anyone, but people always die when she's around they're murdered specifically and because of various reasons she's been denied avenues to deal with this like in ways that makes like make sense like by becoming a pi because of suspicious detectives and police officials um and fbi they were like something is wrong with you and we're not going to let you become part of law enforcement so now you're just like cursed to live this life where people around you are constantly getting murdered and you're always helping solve the murder um so she has fled to a space station where she is only one of a very a handful of humans on the space station in hopes that that will mean people will not like that it only works on humans that people around her die but maybe it's only humans sadly that is not what happens (laughs) aliens also die in this book um but what i loved about this book it is such a motley collection of individuals that we get to meet and as much as i like mallory i am even more obsessed with Calliope and Tina, who, if you know, you know, like, read it and then get back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, my goodness. These characters. Amazing. And everybody has weird connections to each other, even though you're like, these are aliens. They're in space. Like, what could what connections could there possibly be? Turns out a lot. And it is such a great like genre matchup you know we've got the space we've got like really hilarious alien povs on how ridiculous humanity is that i was just like i could not stop laughing in one section in particular (laughs) um like all about like how like gross humans are because we're just like so wet like why do we have so much liquids like it's it was really funny (laughs) um and kind of gross not gonna lie there's some body horror in here but it was like mild um there is there's a lot of murder also just fyi um but yeah so there's you get the space and you, you aliens you get the whodunit you get this like fine found family vibe um you get funny you get you know action you get everything everything and i think the thing that really has been dialed in in this book um is the pacing. I remember there were certain points of six weeks where like we were flashing backwards and it kind of felt like it slowed the story down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But this one, those flashbacks, perfectly done. Perfectly done. You slowly get the history of all of these different people and how they're all connected. And it's fantastic. Um, I just am so glad this is the first in a series. I will read 15 more books about Mallory and her friends as they solve murders in space, like 1000%. Uh, so again, that's Station Eternity by Mer Lafferty. Oh, sounds so good. It's so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> well, I'm going to take the body horror from mild to spicy. <laughs> <laughs> I... 
have wanted to read Leech by, and I'm sorry if I pronounce this incorrectly, I could not find pronunciation online, Hiron Ennis. Um, and this is weird fiction. It's science fiction. It's, it's gothic fiction. It just has all the things. Uh, and it was published last fall. So this is one that I didn't get to last year that I got to read recently. And I'm so glad I did. So this is a gothic science fiction novel about parasites, which like already gives Ugh. me the creepy crawlies. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this story, it follows a doctor. So this doctor is sent by an organization known as the Institute. And the doctor goes by no name. And they're a replacement for another of the Institute's own who died a gruesome death at this place called the Chateau de Verdira. Sorry for my poor accent. <laughs> I know that's supposed to be like French pronunciation. I don't got it. Uh, so the doctor is meant to serve the Verdiras. And more specifically, the patriarch of the family, the Baron, who is an absolute monster of a character, just like the worst kind of human being you can imagine, really fits the word patriarch all too well. Uh, but this doctor also wants to figure out what happened to his predecessor. It becomes increasingly important as it becomes increasingly apparent that there is this parasite afoot, a parasite that not only threatens humankind, but more importantly, uh, threatens the doctor and the Institute and their own parasitic strategy. This was such a weird book. I loved it so much. It is parasite versus parasite versus humans <laughs> who made a mess of their world and could potentially do it all over again. And it's also a really creepy book. It's gothic in that, you know, like sort of Mervyn Peak Gormenghast way mm. with the castle and the fiefdom and the inexplicable occurrences that are taken as normal by the residents of the castle, particularly when it comes to the only children of the Verdira family who were like kind of like they were side characters, but they were a presence in the book. They're these twin girls Yes, more creepy children. I do not know there are creepy children in every book I read right now. Um, and the story is also set against this frigid northern landscape where the Baron lords over his fiefdom of people who are tossed into the mines to fish out this valuable rock the family fortune is built on. And that's sort of the location where a lot of things go wrong. Um, and a lot of the history of this place kind of tells you how things have turned rotten here and potentially elsewhere. And the whole thing feels very medieval, but also like some bleak future where no lessons have been learned and people <laughs> carry on being terrible. <laughs> uh, and the wealthy continue to exploit the the um the poor and the marginalized and so the doctor is this really mysterious character an intelligent parasite basically who resides in the many human bodies that make up the institute and who can see from many eyes 
and field the many and varied opinions and thoughts of its other bodies all at once. So you're not just getting the doctor's interior monologue. You are also getting the interior monologue of its uh, other parasites, its, its network of brains, I guess I would call them. And you're always kept at a distance from the doctor, like you get breadcrumbs of this person's features and identity because the story is told from the doctor's perspectives and perspective and things like uh, the gender and appearance of the hosts are unimportant to the Institute. So that was really interesting and it kind of, I haven't read anything quite like that before in recent times at least. And Leach also leaned into this sort of depressed foreboding and often gross atmosphere it created it's a really <laughs> moody book with these moody characters and also truly rotten characters and they're enough explicitly described medical procedures to Ugh. make even a victorian doctor squirm like it was uh <laughs> it was intense <laughs> but it was so good i was like it took me on so many twists and turns and down so many avenues I didn't expect to go down. I just really enjoyed the whole experience, uh, even with the grossness and everything else. So um, again, that was Leech by Hiron Ennis. And this one also comes with some content warnings uh, for sexual assault, miscarriage, and child death. So note that. All right. So those are our books. And yeah. that's our show for this round. Uh, SFFEI is sound edited by Caitlin Brame. Many thanks to her for making us sound great, great each and every episode. Ooh, I cannot talk today. It's fine, though. We're just going to leave that in. Uh, for more recommendations, go to bookriot.com. You can find our other podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen oh speaking of experiments actually there's a brand new podcast over there called first edition yeah. that has uh, a really interesting new format lots of like interview segments with different interesting bookish people so go check that one out and thank you all for listening you can email us as always at sff yeah at bookriot.com you can review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, wherever. It helps other people to find the show. And in between shows, I finally deleted my Twitter, so I'm no longer on that. But I am back on Instagram. <laughs> you can find me on Instagram as I am Jen IRL. That's J-E-N-N-I-R-L. And as Jen IRL on Tumblr. And you can find me on Instagram. I'm gardening and talking about books right now at Sinab Williams. That's S-C-A-I-N-A-B Williams. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.